as we get prepared to have our sermon this morning, to hear the word proclaimed, I just would like to remind you a little bit about where we are. We are um, in the next to last Sunday in our discipleship series. Next week, we will be bringing our commitment cards as we recommit ourselves to our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. We've celebrated how we can pray and be drawn closer to one another in Christ. We've celebrated how we can be present at worship and in small groups and a life transformation. Last week, we talked about what it means to give and to be people who are generous. As Christ freely gives, so too do we. And today, we're going to talk about service. In particular, what does it mean to serve here in the church? What does it mean to serve our sisters and our brothers? So with that in mind, will you go with me in the, to the Lord in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, I got real excited there, apparently, real loud. I think I turned to the microphone. It's because y'all know how I feel about the and all God's people said part. If you're new and a guest, I think you should affirm with gusto. I think you should be excited to say amen. Because amen says, I agree with that prayer. And if you don't agree, you are never required to say amen. But if you do, don't be afraid. Give it a little oomph. And all God's people said, amen. That's the oomph I'm talking about. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Don't you just love those words? I remember as a child in class learning about the Declaration of Independence and about the beginning of our country and finding those eloquent writings to just be inspirational. We as Christians appeal to the Apostles' Creed. We said it earlier this morning. But this sentence from the Declaration of Independence is like our national creed, our mission statement as a national people is contained in this exquisite phrase, unalienable rights. Every national and political fight or argument or squabble is almost always about who has a right to what. Once we can establish in everyone's mind that a particular option is right, then it begun, becomes beyond discussion. We like our rights because they make us feel safe. The political minds who created this country and we, their descendants, we wanted to make sure that no matter who ruled, certain barriers would limit their power over us. But we have to be careful not to let our desire for rights also trap us in a web of our own making. I think that's part of the reason why you almost never hear Jesus talk about rights. You'll hear him talk a lot more about love and mercy and serving. Rights are good. They are something to be thankful for, something to be celebrated, to be lifted up. They might be the best that our government can do. But as Christians, we have so much more than our rights. 
And if we cling too tightly to what we deserve, we might miss an even greater gift. You see, God's grace, that power that transforms, is not based on what we deserve. It is a gift that is freely given, no matter what we have the right to or not. If it's based on, on what we deserve, then we would not deserve grace because we are sinners. But God gives unmerited favor, unmerited favor, not because it's a right, but because God chooses to give freely. Today, I want to remind us that as Christians, we cannot always work like others. When we earn our rights, we do so only so we can have the great joy of giving them up. Today's scripture is a fantastic picture of how far we can go with just rights alone. The world of Jesus and his disciples was defined by status and position. At a dinner party, one's place at a table was like a military rank identifying who was higher than whom. In some homes, a particularly large party might even be divided by room, where the most important people would receive the best food in one room, and the quality of that food might go down as they moved rooms. Once you achieved a certain station in life, you had the right to a good seat to good food. And it was a right that you guarded carefully. I'm a preacher, and I've got notes, and I follow them, but I think authenticity trumps content, and there's something happening in my microphone. <laughs> and I don't know if I need to turn mine off. I think Trey went to go try and fix it. Trey just ran out the side. And I know you will be distracted the whole time if I just kept on going, I'm going to, maybe if I, is that better? Oh, nope. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. What was I saying? <laughs> Something about Jesus. So whenever you went to a dinner party, where you sat basically said how important you are or not. Once you achieved a certain station in life, you had that right to hold on to that seat. This is made for a reason. Maybe I just turn off my microphone, just start shouting. Well, Jesus and his disciples, none of them, they had much standing in society. Back then, they were not very high on the social hierarchy, but they realized they had at least one right, and that was the right to clean feet. For as you've probably heard, in those days when everyone traveled by walking around with sandals or even barefooted, their feet would get very dirty, and the lowest servant in the house had the job of washing feet. And the disciples, poor as they were, they knew for certain they had passed the social rung on the ladder where they deserved, they had the right to have their feet washed. They deserved and had the right to have a basic pedicure. But notice what happens. It was Jesus who gave up his right for the sake of love 
and hygiene by putting his hands in the dirt on their feet. You might say that dirt is the great antidote for our obsessive compulsion over our rights. Our word humility actually comes from the Latin root root word for dirt, which also gives us the word humus, the rich top layer of soil that nourishes young plants. That's not to say that those who are humble are dirt, but they're never far from it. Humility means being grounded in the truest sense of the word. It is in the dirt that we grow with Christ because it is there that we learn to serve. It is in the dirt that we learn to be servants. So where do we begin in serving one another? Well, Richard Foster suggests that we need to notice the little things, the common courtesies, the things that when rightly performed are acts of simple service that we can do. We all know how obnoxious etiquette and courtesies can be if they're just reduced to rules. I remember growing up going to etiquette class, my grandmother scolding me each time I put my elbows on the table or if I were to sing at the table. I still sing at the table, just don't tell her. Actually, she's probably watching. Sorry, grandmother. But we also know how holy potential, how much holiness is possible with common courtesies that are unexpected and that can impact people's lives. When we give up just a second of our hard-earned time to wait for somebody, to compliment them, to assist them with their groceries, we share something profound. Just this week I talked to somebody who began coming to Dauphin Way and they said the reason why they stayed is because people went out of their way to say hello. We have what we call the connection team that calls people every month just to reconnect and ask, how are you doing? Someone told me that the reason they stayed at Dauphin Way is because we were the only church that called them. Simple things can make a big difference. Audrey Hepburn used to say, manners are kindnesses. And we are called by God to be kind. But of course, it does not end there. There is a particularly sinful pride and vanity when we focus only on the little things. True Christian service doesn't end with just common kindnesses. It goes much deeper. It goes much further. The cross was more than just a common kindness. The church cannot be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ unless we are a church that is willing to go the extra mile in serving one another. You know, it was Jesus that coined that term, to go the extra mile. To put it another way, the church cannot be the church you want it to be unless you're willing to serve. Service is what makes the church the church. And it's what makes service a means of grace. Grace is the power of God freely given to transform us into the image of God Jesus looks at us and says, you can do what I can do. I give you grace so you too can give grace to others. Service is a way to offer grace. Martin Luther King Jr. once said it this way, and I love this quote. It's one of my favorites of all time. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul that is generated by love, and you too can be a servant. 
I think it also works in the reverse way. If you want to have a heart full of grace, if you want to have a soul generated by love, if you want to replace the aimlessness and the emptiness and the lack of direction that comes from living for only yourself, the best thing you can do is serve. If you want to find meaning in life, if you're lost and don't know what direction you're heading and not sure what it's all for, and looking for something that matters, why don't you try to serve somebody? It's because I believe in this transformational power of grace that I will never apologize for saying that your service should start with serving your church. If you want to look for the good of other people, if you want to change lives for the better, there's no better place to start than your church. Because as a church, we are to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. And I'm, I am certain that nothing transforms a life as powerfully as being a part of a grace-filled church. When someone becomes a part of our church and they experience the love of Jesus, when they feel the kindness that you offer them, when they experience the grace of God, that can transform their life. And so we spent a long time talk about what it means to serve and how, what kind of asks do we want to make of people with their commitment to serve. We thought about making a, a litany of all the places you could serve, but we couldn't fit it all on one page of paper. Dolphin Way does a lot of wonderful things. And so we thought about it this way. When we think about serving, we're thinking about how are we serving within the church. And next week we'll talk about witness. When we think about witness, what does it mean to serve and to care for those outside of our church? And so we thought of just five areas. If you look at your commitment cards you took home last week, if you'll grab one in the gathering place, there are five areas that if all of us serve in one of those places once a month, our church, our potential is unlimited. The means of grace that we can offer the world can transform everything. If you will serve by teaching children by being a part of the youth ministry, by joining the choir or the band, helping with the AV or tech, if you will be an usher or a greeter, if you will do that once a month, if all of us do that once a month, then no one will come into this building and say, I didn't experience grace there. Say, I didn't feel love there. Every person, our dreams, every person who walks through these doors has their life transformed by grace. And you can offer that grace by serving, by going the extra mile. And it's not just about fulfilling an obligation or a duty. It's about being the transformational power of grace in somebody else's life. You know, Peter Rollins told a story, made up a, made up a parable about this extra mile idea. And he said, you know, Jesus taught everybody that, you know, you should carry a soldier's pack an extra mile because in the Roman world, the government mandated that if a soldier asked you to carry his pack, you had to carry it for at least one mile. That was the law. And that's why Jesus said, go above and beyond. Carry it an extra mile. Go beyond the first mile. Carry it a second mile. And so they took that to heart. This community said, we will do that. We will go the extra mile. We will serve. 
and they were so proud of themselves. And, and soldiers hoped they came across these Christians because they knew they could count on them to go the extra mile. And so Jesus one day showed back up in this community. And they were going to be so proud to show them what all they had been doing, to show him what they had been doing. And he sees they're going the extra mile and how seriously they took it. And he says to them, you have heard it said you should go an extra mile. But I tell you, if someone asks you to carry their pack, you should go two extra miles. Service is not about what is the base minimum. It's not about just checking the box. It's not about what's the least I can do. It is about how can I offer somebody the love that Christ has offered me? How can I be a means of grace in somebody else's life? May we be a church that transforms this world because we are willing to serve. You don't have to think that it takes certain skills or talents or education to serve. Everybody can serve. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.